You guys, survival mode is real and that's okay. I wish somebody had told me that sooner. So if I only get the chance to tell you one thing, it's this. Give yourself some grace because personal growth is not an overnight journey, but I can already see it. You are a fighter. We can't tell you what's right for you, but we can help you break down the intentional internal work it takes to know and love who you are. So that you can think thoughts that serve you, connect more deeply in your relationships, and spread that love with others. I'm Jenny. And I'm Joe. And this is Of Progress and Purpose. Hello, friends. How's it going? Happy Tuesday. Happy Coronavirus Tuesday. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Don't remind everybody. You've probably heard enough <laughs> yeah, of that. My Facebook is literally nothing but coronavirus right now. <laughs> like, I don't even know why I get on there anymore. Rush. Guess what, guys? What? I don't have a confession today. But I do. But Joe does. <laughs> it's a doozy of one, too. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Okay. So here's my confession session. So, and it's related to my aha moment. Last week when we recorded the Lord of the Rings episode, we didn't do a confession session. So this is actually from last week. But I had just finished running my first ultra in almost six years that day. It was 35 miles. Yeah, 35 miles. uh, Went really well for the most part. um, But Starting at about mile 16, I kind of had had a little bit of a down section, just not feeling super great. I actually ran the race with a cold. You know, I was kind of feeling it a little bit, not really in a great place, um, slowing down and kind of feeling the fatigue and everything. And sometimes when you get in that situation, your emotions and your temper get really close to the surface. <laughs> Jenny's going to be surprised at this one because uh, I'm I'm not a very temperamental sort of person. But... I'm like on the edge of my seat. <laughs> so I'm about 18 miles into the race and um, I just left the aid station and I got out my phone actually to call Jenny to let her know where in the course I was because she wanted to come and stop at the next aid station and cheer me on. And I had been tracking the GPS on an app called Strava that I use that tracks the time and distance and elevation and everything. And for some reason, I thought that it had quit working halfway through the race. And I was just like, had this like moment of like white hot anger. And um, (laughs) Jenny knows that I swear sometimes. Um, but mostly it's farmer swearing, but I try not to swear around our kids, but I don't always succeed. Anyway, I dropped the F-bomb, which I can count on like one hand the number of times I've ever done that in my life. I am not an F-bomb dropper, but I drop it then. (laughs) That's my confession. (laughs) And it turns out that everything was fine. My Strava was recording. I had just accidentally like moved to a different screen and yeah, so... There's my confession for the week. So how is your, I have to know, I have a must have, but I have to know how your aha moment is related to this. So my aha moment is this, and and it is related actually. After that moment, I had a little bit of a prolonged period of downtime, not feeling so good. It went from about mile 16 to about mile 24, and I started feeling a lot better around 24 miles and I got thinking about it and 
there's a notion among people who do outdoor things, especially like rock climbing and canyoneering and ultra running and stuff like that, that there's, there's two types of fun. The first type, also known creatively as type one fun, is the type of fun where you are having fun while you are doing whatever the activity is. It's not particularly challenging. There might be some challenge in there, but it's not challenging to the point where you're not having fun while you're doing it. Type one fun is boating on the lake, whatever, you know, that's type one fun. Okay, we are having fun while it's happening. There's also type two fun, and that is type two fun is the type of fun that while you're doing it, it kind of sucks or has moments of suck. But <laughs> moments of suck. I'm gonna use that in the future. <laughs> but then after the fact when you're looking back on it, when you've accomplished whatever it was that you set out to do, that's when maybe you call it amnesia, but you look back on that and you have positive feelings about that. And you say, oh, that was fun. Like, you know, and my aha moment is that in life, you need both types of fun. I've mentioned before on the podcast that I think it's important for us to go out and challenge ourselves to do things that are hard. And that's really what I'm talking about is that type two fun. We need type one fun in our lives for sure. We need to go out and do things that are just enjoyable and not terribly strenuous and allow us to decompress and stuff. But we also need those things in our life that are type two fun that make us do something hard that is maybe not particularly enjoyable in the moment but when we look back on that, those are the type of things that actually have the power to change you. Type 2 fun can really change who you are. I really like that. I'd never heard about those before. Okay, my must-have, and it does come with a little bit of a confession, I guess, <laughs> is that I got my new glasses from Zenny Optical. This is my must-have is I love them. I order my glasses online and I just have a prescription that I input into their system and they let you save prescriptions too where you can mark the year and the date that you got that prescription so that if it's getting old they'll let you know that you need to go in for an appointment. But then they have the cheapest, cutest glasses of all types for kids, women, men, and all different sorts of frames. And you can make it more expensive by all of the different lens add-ons. But I usually just get the anti-glare and the UV coating. And a pair of glasses costs me 20 bucks with shipping. And it saves so much money. It is definitely a must-have. And I've been using it for like eight years. <laughs> yeah, I think we bought actual glasses from the eye doctor like what once yeah i never and they buy were like three hundred dollars because they're so expensive and this is why it comes with a minor confession is that i seriously i lose my glasses like once a year at least <laughs> at least i lose them on a daily basis but at least once a year i lose them and can't find them again or, or they get broken or... or they get broken or scratched I'm just not a glasses case person I know I need to put them in the case but I want them easily accessible and right I'm where over I'm here using chuckling them right now. <laughs> yeah he totally gets it because 
I do this a lot, guys. <laughs> anyway, they're so really Zenny's great. So Zenny's awesome. Yeah, Zenny's awesome. So we're talking about Star Wars today, guys. Specifically the rise of Skywalker, but we will tie into the other films and the Star Wars universe as needed. And we are talking about becoming the hero of your own story, but I also wanted to focus on one specific aspect of that with this series of movies, I guess. And that's the darkness within. I don't want that to sound like this is going to be a horrible, depressing episode because it's not, but there is definitely opposition in all things. And... That is very well illustrated in Star Wars. So my first lesson from The Rise of Skywalker is that in order to choose the light, you have to understand what you are choosing. So this kind of gets into what I was saying about opposition in all things. Really that opposition, getting to face kind of your own demons, helps you exercise your agency because choosing one thing means not choosing another. But how can you truly make that choice if you don't know what you're not choosing? And so I feel like it gives you added agency and freedom to know what your options are. And I think this is illustrated really well with Ray. She goes on this journey of trying to figure out who she is and she feels this call to do something. She's having these flashbacks, but... She knows that she is somebody, but she doesn't have anything to rely on that points her to that other than, you know, some of her fragments of memories and and things like that that keep coming back to her. But she knows that she has a role to play, I think. I think that's true. And I think, how can you make that decision when you feel that call, but you don't have the full picture? And then I think in The Rise of Skywalker when, oh, by the way, guys, major spoilers. Yeah, don't don't listen to this episode. If, if you're a person who does not like spoilers, do not listen to this episode until you have watched The Rise of Skywalker. Otherwise, you're going to like be severely disappointed in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I usually don't give emphatic spoiler warnings and that's because I usually don't give spoilers that are like life altering spoilers but these ones will be <laughs> let's just say that yeah. so when Ray finds out that she is the granddaughter of Palpatine who is still alive and she has his power I think it's kind of shocking to her to realize that she has this darkness inside of her. But I think it almost makes her more rooted in her mission and in what she wants to do. She's trying to help the rebellion prevent the rise of this new empire. And she knows that her mission is good and the cause is good. And she knows that People have made mistakes in the past. You know, she learned that from Luke. But that ultimately, she believes the right thing is to keep the world from falling into darkness. But when she finds out that she is part of this darkness, she has the choice. Just because it's in her blood, that doesn't mean 
it's fated. She has the choice whether or not to act on that. And I think once she knows who she is and she knows what that choice is, she has the opportunity to fully choose to throw herself into her mission. And I think she's a little bit scared because she knows, just like with Luke, when he realizes that Anakin and Darth Vader is his father, they know that they're going to have to face this when they get to the climax. And they have to face this darkness that the people that they love have battled with and in a lot of ways lost out to. And they are hopeful that they won't lose out to it in the same way. But that opposition allows them to be able to have that agency. Yeah, I think that the idea of facing the darkness within you is a major recurring theme throughout the Star Wars saga. And I think that it's one that's really instructive for each of us in our individual lives because every one of us has a dark side, if you will. We all have what some people might refer to as a natural man that's an enemy to everything that is good. We have desires, we have passions, we have feelings and thoughts that if we really sit down and come to grips with, frighten us. And they should, because each of us has the capacity of either, on the one hand, boundless good, or on the other hand, boundless evil. And I think in order for us to really become agents unto ourselves, to act and not be acted upon, we have to recognize it and come to grips with that fact. Because if we're just kind of hiding our heads in the sand, so to speak, we're kind of burying that side of us. And we're saying, oh, it doesn't exist. I'm a good person. I don't do evil things. I could never do what criminal does or, you know, I could never do those things. If we bury that side of us and that potential that each of us has for evil, then... We never overcome it. Well, we never overcome it, but also it has the potential to sneak up on us. And when we are faced with a choice that is really difficult, we all of a sudden, this side of us comes roaring back and we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to face up to it. And as Luke Skywalker did on Dagobah with Yoda, when he went to face Vader, Yoda's warning to him was that if you go and face the real thing without having faced it here with me as your tutor, you're going to fall. And ultimately, Luke doesn't fall, or at least not completely and not totally, but he comes very, very close. And it's I think it's a, a lesson to all of us that if we're really going to have agency and we're really going to embrace our agency that is given to us as a gift, we need to recognize that we have that side to us. And I think coming back to The Rise of Skywalker with Rey, we really see that when push comes to shove and she's faced with Palpatine and the choice that he presents to her, she makes the right choice because she's faced who she is. When she learns that Palpatine is her grandfather, yes, it's surprising to her, but at the same time, I think she knows deep down inside that that's true and that she does have that within her, but she also knows that she has a choice. And she has made that choice already 
over and over again throughout the story and it empowers her to face down that ultimate evil and to over overcome it yeah i think essentially what you're saying is having those opportunities to make that choice while the stakes are small yeah yeah and ray does have multiple times where she is confronted with this one that stands out to me is when she is trying to find the Sith Wayfinder to get to Exegol, where Palpatine is, and have this almost face-off, I guess. Before she can access that, she has to physically grapple with the dark side version of herself. And it shows this in the movie, and, and I think it's almost a safeguard put in place to say, hey, you're going to have to do this later. Let's see if you're up to the challenge. So it's interesting that you bring that up because I think especially what you've said about choosing to act versus being acted upon. And we don't have to give in to that fear and become what we fear. But that doesn't mean that we don't have to face it. You can't ignore something that is there. And we've talked about that before, whether it's fear or the darkness within just being willing to sit with your feelings, maybe they're not evil or whatever, but when you have real things that you're facing on the inside, you can't just will them away. You have to acknowledge what is there in order to overcome it, in order to be more prepared later when those things come up. And I think our second point ties into this really well. And that's to expect mistakes and deviations with the understanding that you are never a lost cause. I've faced things in my own life that I've had to battle with that natural man and wished that I didn't have this temptation or this struggle. I understand that fear of maybe not wanting to associate with people who do something that doesn't line up with my values because I'm afraid that it's going to rub off on me. Or I don't want to read certain types of books or watch certain types of movies. And I've heard many times growing up to stand in holy places. That is valid and necessary, but you also have to come to terms with all of the sides of you. And like Joe said, not just burying your head in the sand. And I think that the way that you do that, the way that you acknowledge maybe this fear without giving into that or walking in the darkness, because we want to walk in the light. But I think the way to do that is to recognize that mistakes are going to happen and recognize that we do have those shortcomings and we all have weaknesses. And even more than weaknesses, we all have desires that we don't love. Jealousy. Anger. Lust. And I think when we realize that we are fallen by nature, it gives us the opportunity to rise above that. But the only way that we can do that is to get out of the shame. And so a really good illustration that I have of this, and I hope that I can explain it well because I know these are sensitive topics, but I was watching a story from 
at Marriage Laboratory. And every Wednesday, she does a sex question Wednesday. And she talks about questions related to sex that Christian couples struggle with. And one of the issues that came up this time around was shame. How we grow up with this idea of abstinence, right? And how we want to keep our bodies chaste and virtuous. And that's not a bad thing. But where the problem comes in is when it gets into that shame. And she uses the illustration of a cliff versus a road and a path. And she says, in one model, you're standing on the top of this cliff. And if you have sex before marriage, or if you break the rules or the guidelines that you've been taught about being chaste and you aren't living that, then all of a sudden you have fallen off this cliff and you're down in the pit and you're a pit dweller with Satan. And that's what she called it, is a pit dweller. And she said, shame is the model that there is no way back and you're a lost cause. But the model of a road or a path is where You're trying to get to your end destination, and sometimes you go off course. It's like a spiral. We never take a straight line, but it's about the direction, and are you eventually going to get where you're going? Because you're not ever going to be a lost cause. It's about mastering the art of the start, like Brooke Snow likes to say. And I think that is how you win the war, by being willing to continually get back up and fight the battles. Once you know and acknowledge that there's something about yourself that you want to improve, you have to go into it with the understanding that you might lose a battle. But that doesn't mean that the war is over. We're placed here to grow. And just like our guest Mary said last week, you can choose to let that make you more and realize that everybody has a journey. And I think that this is part of why Anakin and Kylo Ren and even Luke, when he goes off on his own and deserts the rebellion, (laughs) I think all of them feel like there was a failing that they couldn't come back from. And when they're looking at it with that cliff model, that's why we're so afraid of facing those hard things inside of us because we're afraid of that shame. We're afraid that we're never going to be able to come back. But if you can say that I might fall, but I know that I'm going to be able to get back up. And I believe in what I'm trying to do so much that I'm going to keep going, even if I struggle along the way. I think that that's kind of the answer to my struggle with that fear. And that balance that I have been trying to find. Yeah, I think you've mentioned this as it relates to the Star Wars saga that we see this theme also occurring again and again and again within each of those major characters that they go through this pattern of being conflicted, being afraid of the darkness that they discover that's within them, and Each of them does fall off the path a little bit. Even Luke, who was kind of the hero for most of the saga, the story that he tells of why he feels responsible for Kylo Ren's 
going off to the dark side and the death of all the Padawans that he was training and everything, he feels responsible for that. And he feels that it's his fault because he was too cocky. You know, he thought, I'm the man, I defeated Darth Vader. And he kind of let that hubris get to him. So he feels at fault for that. And so his response is, I'm just going to leave. The Jedi Order has fallen. There's no hope. I'm just going to exile myself because there is no way that what I've done can be fixed. And this occurs over and over again throughout this entire storyline that these protagonists, and even Kylo Ren, he is a protagonist in this story, feels like there's no hope for me. I can't come out of this. But each of them, at some point, even Anakin, discovers that that's not true. There is always hope and that balance will be brought to the force, <laughs> you know, so to speak. And so I think that in our own lives, you know, we need to recognize that as well, that we are going to make mistakes. There's things that are going to happen that we cannot live up to our best selves all of the time. But I think as long as we are willing to keep trying, we're going to eventually get to the point where we want to be. Yeah, and even with your example of Luke, when Ray comes to solicit his help, he is forced to face that because Kylo Ren tells her what had happened. And once she knows the truth, then Luke has to sit with that as well. And once he faces that, he is able to gain the confidence that he needs to help win the war. And he finishes his part with peace. But he had to come to grips with that first. And so I think that that's kind of what we're getting at with this idea of not running away. And I also think with Ray when she is on the island and Luke is trying to train her to be able to recognize and feel the force. She notices that darkness and he mentions, wow, I can't believe you went straight for the darkness. And so she overcomes that and it's a learning journey for her as well. But I also think where our focus is does play a role in that, knowing that they're both there, but then choosing to focus on what you do know. And I think that that is how Ray ultimately came to grips with learning about her identity because she had had so many experiences where she knew even though I might be Palpatine's granddaughter, I also know I'm this. I know I'm good. I know that I want to do the right thing. I know that this cause means something. And she had all of that in her focus as well. And I think holding on to those things that we do know while recognizing that we might still make mistakes along the way, that helps us to be able to come back from that. Yeah, I like that. There's also a little side tangent that I maybe want to mention here. I think that Ray is sort of is a really interesting character in this story because at least in the story so far, and I don't know if there will be more later or not, but she never really falls like Kylo Ren or Luke or Anakin before him. 
And she kind of, to me, almost represents kind of this cleansing influence. Just like Luke was that influence to his father, Anakin, she is a redemptive or cleansing influence on both Luke and ultimately Kylo Ren as well. And I think that's exemplified, you know, when she discovers her power to heal. And she uses it to heal Kylo Ren, her, her you know, sworn enemy at the time. And I think that's one of the tipping points that he encounters in his own journey back to the light. That how could this person who had me dead to rights heal me, you know? And I think that that was definitely an influence in him. But I, I just think that that's really interesting that... When we know who we are, and when we commit to the best within us, when we commit to the light, knowing that we have the darkness inside of us, but we still make that commitment, I think that we can become that kind of an influence on those around us as well. That we can be a healing influence in our relationships, in our families, in our communities. When we recognize that we aren't perfect, that we have that darkness within us, but we choose anyway that we're going to embrace the light and follow the light, I think that we become the light to others. Oh, that's so good. I can see exactly what you're saying, that she just brought this balance because just like Luke had kind of illustrated when he was telling her, and we even see this in the Clone Wars a little bit, the Jedi really are not perfect either, and they make a lot of mistakes, and neither is the Empire, but Rey is almost this balance between the two. She is the one who brings balance back to the Force, and it's because she has this incredible capacity and the right people to help her get to where she needs to go as well and help her learn, but... She has this capacity to, to face that darkness within, but still choose the light, just like you said. Yeah, and I think that kind of brings us to our third point here. And point number three is to recognize that people are not unidimensional, which Ray really exemplifies. She does not see people as being one-dimensional, as one thing that's unchangeable. She looks at Kylo Ren who is in every way her enemy, but she does not see him as her enemy. Certainly an antagonist at times, um, and someone who needs to be resisted when he is doing evil, but she has this capacity, and I think it's because she recognizes, even before she knows she is Palpatine's granddaughter, there is some part of her that there but for the grace of God go I. And I think that she realizes that and that she sees in all the people around here their capacity for both good and evil. And she recognizes that none of them are past the point of no return and that they all have both light and dark within them. And there's a battle going on within each of her friends. And that battle is between that, that light and that darkness. And I think that we need to have that same kind of compassion for those around us that everybody is fighting a battle, including ourselves. And we need to be compassionate with those people. And the interesting thing about Ray is that she does not give in to the evil. She recognizes it for what it is. 
she does not consort with it once she knows that that's not a path she wants to go down. But she's also not afraid to keep a hand out to reach out to those who are struggling with that battle and giving them a path back to the light. Yeah, I love how you illustrated the progression that she knew this about herself first and then she was able to extend that to other people. And I think sometimes when we are fearing those glimpses of quote-unquote darkness or just even different values in other people, I think it's because we're afraid, like I mentioned earlier, that it's going to rub off on us. But like Joe said, when you are rooted in who you are and you've gone through a little bit of this journey and you've learned how to give yourself some grace, you have such a greater capacity to give that grace to others. And it's interesting because definitely it's a fine line that you're walking here. This is illustrated really well in the relationships between Ray and Kylo Ren and Anakin and Padme. You do have the right to guard your space. It's okay and maybe even needed to be cautious, especially in the beginning before you've developed trust. Okay, what of this do I want to let in? And what of this do I need to leave out? It's also important to keep an eye out for patterns because there is a difference between one mistake and somebody repeatedly compromising your ideals, but just not making rash, quick judgments yet using that filter to allow you to see what good might be there. I liked what you said about, um, you know, the comparison between Rey and Kylo Ren's relationship and Padme and Anakin Skywalker. Looking at those two examples also kind of gives us some insight into how to make a judgment about whether and how to invest in someone else because we don't we've talked about before on this podcast that we don't want to go on rescue missions unprepared that that's not productive and it could end badly for us and so looking at Padme she recognizes the pattern in Anakin or the trend that he is trending towards the dark side his choices become progressively worse and lead him progressively farther away from where she wants to be. And so she eventually is forced to cut the ties. And I think we all know that story. But I think with Ray and Kylo Ren, Ray recognizes the opposite trend in Kylo Ren, that he's been to the dark side, but she recognizes some glimmers in him, and he is actually starting to trend towards the light. She recognizes that He has to make that choice, but she chooses to feed that light side of him where she can. And eventually he does make that choice to come back to the light. And and he does so, you know, obviously right in the nick of time if you've seen the movie. So sad. (laughs) That makes me so mad. I love a happy ending. And they pull one over you because they make it look like He's totally going to make it. Like, he turns good, and then I'm like, okay, he's going to die, but oh, never mind. He's, like, moving here, and they're having a moment. So mad. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Oh. 
But I, I think that that kind of gives us some illustration as to how to navigate the very real, you know, situation and concern where we don't want to necessarily put ourselves in danger. Yeah, and I think you said it really well that they have to make that choice for themselves. Now, when Luke helped shed some of the light and gave his father that opportunity later, Anakin was able to make that choice. Just like you mentioned that Ray did with Kylo Ren. So I think it's important to not give up on people. We also have to recognize that our relationship with a person may be at a point in their journey where they may not be ready to come to the light. Right, and I think Anakin is a good example of that because Padme does the same thing and she's trying to bring Anakin into the light and he's just not there. And when he does come back, he has others still kind of extending that hand, that opportunity to him. But we have to make that choice to change for ourselves. Nobody can change another human being. I do believe that human beings change. And I hate it when people say people never change because people do change. But you have to change yourself. And I think that all of these characters are the perfect example of that. I think that some of these supporting characters maybe helped provide a little bit of a tipping point, getting them out of that shame cycle where they knew, hey, maybe I'm not a lost cause. But in the end, no one can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. Yep, and I think that that's, that's really the gift of agency that we have, that ultimately it's our choice when we fully know all of the sides of ourselves, what the consequences are of what our actions are going to be. And then we have the opportunity to make that choice. And that opportunity comes many times. It's not a one-time thing, but we do have that opportunity and it's really up to us. Yeah. All right. So just to recap, our three lessons from Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker are number one, in order to choose the light, you have to understand what you're choosing. Number two, expect mistakes and deviations with the understanding that you are never a lost cause. And number three, recognize that people are not unidimensional. And our one-liner is actually a quote by Seth Adam Smith. It says, In order to defeat the darkness, you must bring it into the light. End quote. And our action item for today is to dwell on your darkest innermost thoughts. Just kidding. No, that's not <laughs> it. <laughs> we didn't want to make this episode dark, even though we're discussing some of the darker sides of ourselves. But I hope it wasn't super overwhelming for you guys. Yeah, I don't think it was. But it's necessary to think about this. Anyway, our action item for today is next time you make a mistake... Remember the analogy of the cliff and the road, and instead of dwelling in shame, do what it takes to get back on track. Perfect. Thanks for listening. Spread love. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. We would love for you to be a part of our community. You can also find more on our blog, including today's show notes at ofprogressandpurpose.com. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like to see covered, feel free to reach out to us there or on our Instagram, of progress and purpose. Most of all, thank you for listening. We know how valuable your time is. We'll do our best to make it worth it. Absolutely. See you next time.